DrChronicle.com informa Los Cachirules, el podcast con más garra, pasión y picardía que hasta el equipo de todos. Y ahora con ustedes, Los Cachirules. Good evening, how's it going? This is Los Cachirules, a weekly podcast that discusses Mexican soccer, international soccer, and other parts in between. <clears throat> My name is John Jagu. Good to have you with us tonight. Uh, we are on live on our YouTube page. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to uh, do so. For all of our friends in Iowa who listen to us on the show, we'll be in Iowa this weekend. I cannot believe I have to go to Iowa this weekend. Ooh. Too cold. With us today, as always, we have out in Oceanside, California, where it was a lovely 72 degrees today, we were told, is Daniel Preciado. How are you, sir? Escondido. Escondido. Did I get it wrong again? Damn it, John. Yeah, same difference. <laughs> they all run. No. All those Spanish-sounding names in the California, they all run together. You know you hear me? That, um, that's me banging, banging on my desk right now. It was um, not. It was a chance no, no. to wife. It was a yeah. It was actually. Uh, no, no. It was, a, it was a great, fantastic day. Beautiful day in America's finest city. And I gotta ask you, your uh, Santos is a team that could very well do some damage this year. I think that they're gonna they're gonna get it together. They're always, you know, when they're off, they're off. But when they're good, they're great. And that this could be one of those years. Honestly, I, I I hope I hope you're right. I'm very skeptical, just because there's just a whole lot of newness to the team, and I'm not expecting overnight miracles. But I am encouraged that in his first home game, uh, we were able to get a uh, we were able to get a win. So to at least wash that bad taste from last uh, last season. You know, aesthetically, the uniforms, the new uniforms they had were really nice, very clean, white with green strip better than the the green rugby stripes they used to have so I think uh, like like we said I think Santos has has a chance to do, to do well over Good in chance. Arizona we have uh, Fernando Regino who uh, watched his Monterey team beat Puebla on the pitch and then celebrated by setting fire to the stadium <clears throat> los li- los <laughs> la adicción they came through that day right <laughs> that saludos uh, I don't know. So, allegedly, it was uh, some fans that were wearing some stripes, but you know that's still alleged. Alleged. So all the all the video evidence has been has been doctored. Is that what you're saying? Hey, you know, I uh, there's an investigation that's gonna take place. I think we should wait after the investigation is done. Fair enough. And how many how many season ticket holders do you think are gonna lose their uh, season tickets for their indiscretions? What, what, well, what's the over and under? What's the over and under? I say about ten. They're not. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not. John. Yes. Hello. How are you, they, sir? They already talked about this. Um. They they're just gonna suspend them for a bit. Well, yeah, they were gonna say they were gonna take away their season tickets for a year, and then they would have to reapply. Well, that's not bad. I did not hear that it's actually. Yeah, I, I think that that's a that's a worthy penalty, and of course. You know, whatever 
and then that should also make them pay for a little of the damage. So anyway. Well, you know those. Th- you know, I know they just recently remodeled the, the stadium, the the Cuauhtémoc, but you know, it was their first state the game in the, in the new stadium. <laughs> they torched it. <laughs> Allegedly, of course, yes. Allegedly, but regardless of that, Monterey looked great, and they have a really good chance to again be a team that can contend deep, deep, deep into the season and probably the playoffs. So we should definitely keep an eye on them as well. Absolutely. Well, how are you, sir, out in California? Enjoy another another Dorados loss this weekend. Um, you know what? I haven't seen any. Liga MX games, not not one, but the extra the extra cancha. That that's kept me very entertained. Oh, so the the stuff off the field is the, it's your novela. Yes, especially especially the stuff coming from uh, from America camp. Oh, I guess that's something we'll have to discuss a little bit later. We'll have to put that one on the. On the back burner. Let's uh, move on to Philadelphia with bracing themselves for a. I saw a foot to two feet of snow coming up. Is it? I guess over the next few days. Yeah. Mr. Ronald, uh, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, I'm fearing those 12 inches. Yeah. That's what she. That's what she whoa, said. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, got it. That was a that was a satellite satellite delay there. I think there was some latency. <laughs> nah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm true. We're uh, we're getting pre- we're prepared. We're prepared. So when it's that bad, do do you send the trucks out? Nah, hell no. Ronnie, at what point does it get scary? Around eight plus. Just... Uh, not full twelve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Thank you. Useful information for you folks out there. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, Los Cachirulos. We have a we have a a good group here. A, a, a good cross section of fans from Liga MX, and then folks that uh, even though as they say they haven't watched the games, they know what's going on. So we can certainly uh, talk about that. First thing you want to talk about is extra cancha. We saw something on Friday night that, frankly, uh, just cracked me up, and it just it was it was uh, it was perfect. And it was a team owner who, for whatever reason, was sitting in the booth next to where the ref sits, who was happened to be visiting. And after Veracruz was given a really harsh red card. I mean, it was it was harsh. It was probably not a red card, but those things happen. I mean, it's just. It's not the end of the world. And the uh, the owner, Mr. Uh, Fidel Curi, is that his name? Yeah. Fidel Curi starts talking to him. He grabs him by the shirt and gives him a little shake. And there was a, a bit of a ruckus. Uh, for, for you folks that have seen that video, I'm sure you have. The video that I saw today was after the game. He was in the parking lot going after the guy. So I'm sure some words were said. And... Uh, I was going to play some audio of Mr. Suri talking on Univision, but I, I, was, I couldn't get it to work where he, dis- he apologizes and, and gives his reasons for, for why it happened, which we'll discuss in a minute. But, but first of all, y'all's reaction. Uh, 
what should happen to this guy? Is anything going to happen to this guy? And what's going to happen to Corazal, Edgardo Corazal, the Uruguayan naturalized Mexican ref who happened to be the ref in the 1990 World Cup final between Germany and Argentina, where he too gave not only a dubious red card, but a dubious penalty to give Germany 1-0 win. Well, um, Cody's reaction was obviously not professional and not to the standard of an owner. Um, but I will say I do, under, I do understand his frustration. Um, I'm not a – as some of you guys know, I'm not a fan of Cody Saddle. I think the guy has – I think he has to go. Uh, I think he's just a very controversial figure. Um, you know, forget, forget, you know, the Argentina, West Germany thing. Forget, you know, he was also responsible for the biggest melee in Mexican soccer was the Chivas, you know, America semifinal of 1983. You know, he was also responsible for that. But it, it's just, you know, you know, like some of you guys can remember a couple of years back, like in 2004, 2003, the, uh, the, the whole Spygate with uh, Felipe Ramos Rizzo. I don't know if you guys remember that, where, um, you know, they basically spied on, on Ramos Rizzo because they thought that uh, Ram, uh, Ramos Rizzo was staging a, a coup d'etat of sorts. They were trying to oust uh, Arturo Yamasaki in Codesal. Um, I just, I, just I, I don't see the officiating getting better with Codesal. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, these referees think that they're part of the game in the sense that they think they're, well, they're part the of the show. And you know? that's the reason why things are the way they are. I mean, let, let, let's take a look at, at, a, at a career, the career trajectory of a ref in, uh, in Mexican soccer. So they'll do the refereeing. How, how do you make a name for yourself? Do, or do, is, oh, he, he, he called a great game. Like, oh, man, that whatever. Well, yeah. you're right. You're right because I mean, think about it. I mean, in in in, in Europe, like uh, the, the Italian guy, forget his name, uh, the very very famous bald guy, uh, Perlugi Polina. Oh, yeah, that guy? okay, Polina and stuff like that. I mean, the guys that basically really treat it as a profession. I mean, they they go into into officiating and they try to better the the, the profession. Now, think of how many guys we have pundits uh, in media. You know, you have Bonificio, you have uh, you had Arturo Yamasaki, you had Codesal, you had uh, el, el, uh, what's his name, Armando Archundia, you have Arturo Bricio, you have a bunch well, of these guys. Great, is that these guys go? They want that gig, they want that TV gig, so they'll do that for a couple of years, and and then they, you know, the one that really surprised me was Archundia. I thought he was better than that. I thought that he could just go. Maybe he should have been the guy that got to because I take thought a he was. He was. He was. He wasn't an attention or It wasn't all the game. wasn't about him. He was going to call the game as he saw it. Well, very fair. You know, you're right. I mean, you're right. You know, no, no. But anyhow, anyhow, what I was saying, you know, with with side. Well, I I understand why. You know, like, and I've mentioned this before in the past. You know, you know, in our private chats and stuff like that. You know, for the last forty years, Mexican, the head of Mexican officiating, they, they've they've been uh, they've been foreigners, foreigners basically naturalized uh, foreigners, and and obviously there's money to be made in, in in officiating in Mexico, be it you know be it in punditry or you know other other gigs, 
Right. And and I understand why perhaps the the federation wants those natu naturalized you know individuals because, I mean you're not gonna I guess they're they're thinking okay well maybe this they're not gonna be an Americanista or they're not gonna be a uh, cementero or stuff like that I can understand that, but it's just these guys have just they've really done a lousy job in my opinion. But, uh, but you can say that about any group of refs anywhere in the world. You're right. If a ref Ninety-eight percent correct. It's the, the two plays they know. Oh, this guy is just terrible. Oh man, can you believe that they even gave this guy a badge? I mean, come on. Well, I mean, so, well, here's now, the, the, the problem that I do have. I uh, issue with you. Uh, not issue, but I agree with you in the sense that those two guys. I mean, come on. Let's. But that doesn't surprise me either, because all you know, Liga MX imports everything. They import yeah, players, yeah. They import general managers. So why not import the refs? I, you know, I mean, you're you're right. I mean, I I don't see why they need to, but I I just I just think that they they haven't done a a good job, and I think it's time that you know they I, I think you know Codesal needs to go. But you're right, and in the sense that he's too much of a magnet. For, I mean, and all the things you listed about, you know him, you know he made his name. For just you know dubious, terrible decisions, as opposed to a guy who, you know, to me, if a ref goes unnoticed, he did a great job. I mean, yeah. that is that is is what you want. And to me, Archundia would be a guy that would just call it. I mean, I remember the Germany uh, Italy semifinal, which could have been contentious as hell. Let's face it, both teams could have just started. And Archundia, like in the 15th minute, looked, brought the captains over and said, "Boys, that's it." And the the players looked at him, shook, walked away, and it was a clean game the rest of the way. Yeah. So, as far as uh, the owner, <laughs> he well, was on Univision, and, and if you folks haven't seen it, I would uh, suggest you play it on on YouTube. We find that on their YouTube page. The owner discusses why did what he did. He said, listen, you know, I'm very passionate. I'm a very passionate fan for my Veracruz, and I'm going to do whatever I can to help the players win. Got the better of me, and I apologize. He said it was, uh, you know, it, it's something that, that this seems to be happening constantly, and if that's the case, then that guy's got to go. About Codesal. Uh, but then he went on to say, well, you know, it was a good day. It was a game day. I got to the stadium, had a nice dinner, had a few pops. And as I was saying, so this uh, Mr. Cootie says, yeah, I had a nice dinner, and I had a few pops, unos tragos, and luego otros tragos. And he said, well, you know, I probably shouldn't have done what I did. I apologize. <laughs> so he was, I'm not going to say he was drunk, because there's, you know, there's no proof of that. But he definitely had altered his mind just a little. And good for him. He and was he pretty agitated, though. I mean, was, went, you know. Sure, well, I get it. I get him. You know, and it could have been that, that just what Codes, you know, Codesal shouldn't have been saying anything. He shouldn't have even been um, having a conversation with the guy. So, you know, here, look, I'm just here to watch the game. You well, know, not, not respond. He, I'm not sure he did because there are a couple of the shots, of, well, at least what we got to see on, um, and obviously, hello, everybody. Sorry, I jumped in a little bit late. Uh, but what they showed is pretty much just Cody, like, in his face. And he kept going back, and he would pat him on the back, really sort of passively aggressive, you know, it's kind of passive aggressive, and, and he would come back and, and get in his face, and, and then eventually just, you know, the lid blew off, and he just went off, and I mean, I don't really care what he says, it's just, 
it's unacceptable, really. Well, actually, what he, what, that, what, that he can see his lips move. Like, when, once he was talking to him, he wasn't saying anything. But Kolesad went, um, you can see his lips move, and he's saying something. And in the interviews, Kudi says that he's like, well, he deserved the red, and it was it was a good play and all that, a good call and everything. And the first version of what he said went, um, on Friday, uh, what Kudi said was actually he, like, cussed at him and stuff. <laughs> I forget exactly yeah, what the phrase was. He said, que, que me vale madre. Yeah, he exactly. Said something to, he said something to that effect. Now, again, I, I, again, his Kudi's reaction, obviously, is not, you know, not that of a uh, of a professional, you know. Um, but That's when he got in his face. That's when he got like face to face. Right now, keep in keep in mind a couple what last year or the year before. What's his name? Fassi got suspended for four months, uh, basically also getting in the face of a, of a referee, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if we're gonna if we're going to, so you're saying if there's precedence, then that's what this guy should get. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, four months. The whole thing about a year. Yes, there was my, there was a you know ma- microaggression and stuff like that. And yeah, he shouldn't you know touch Codesal, But you know, I, I, you know when when I the first I heard of it because I didn't watch the entire game. You know, when I started you know hearing you know seeing getting some tweets about uh, about you know Kuri uh, you know hitting Codesal, and you know I I thought you know they were throwing around the fisticuffs. No, I mean it was just yeah. Granted, yeah, he was making physical contact, and there's no need for that. But you know, it's like they were trying to make it like it was some sort of you know brawl. It wasn't you actually know? him; it was one of his little crony guys that was. Yeah. Well, well yeah, but and I understand that, and his crony, and, and obviously Cody incited that, and I understand that, and he should be you know held accountable for that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, is that, is that worth four months, honestly? Well, I think the fact that he chased him into the parking lot is, and you know, kept yeah, looking was, for him. I feel like that's that's probably where everything sort of boiled over anyway because I understand so that you know yeah he literally went out to the parking yes. lot in the middle well, of the crowd out. and he didn't find him or anything and they were able to like calm him down but had he found him I think things could have gone a lot worse and I think maybe that's where um, no, this that's isn't really, you know this isn't really a matter for the league or even for the FMF. This is about the owners, and they literally pull the strings on everything, so they need to make a decision. And, and, and you got to wonder how many more feel uh, the way Vergara feels about Cootie because Vergara, you know, he's the kind of guy who put a mic in front of him, and he'll, he'll just give you news for days. And yeah. the stuff that he said yesterday was pretty inflammatory, and I would think that's the kind of stuff they would deal with within, you know, within, you know. In, in internally? Bar. Yeah, I would think so because I mean, going on TV and saying that the guy has a drinking problem, which apparently he does, and you know that he shouldn't behave like that, which we already oh. know he shouldn't. Yes, he's a public figure. Not only, not only is he in charge of the team, but he's also you know a politician. So my my, my, my take on that, my take on this is very simple. Uh, Vergara has no room to talk because I mean he was gonna he was gonna get into a round of fisticuffs with a fan. I know. It's even worse. That, that, that's what Cody said too. Okay. He brought that up specifically. Yeah, yeah that's. It. <laughs> he brought that up specifically, and he also brought up the fact that Chivas is <laughs> on the table, the 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 Senso table, so yeah. they don't he don't need to talk. He needs to worry about his own Chivas going down. The... Yeah, 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 yeah. But but now, I mean, it's just I mean, there's probably so many instances that I can I can think of. I mean, I can remember Lebrija. You know, chasing down officials. I can remember. You know, Perez Teufel. I can remember. Uh, just just a bunch of people chasing down you know referees after the game and 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 getting you know into verbal 
you know, disagreements and you know, little, little touching here and there. It, it's not right. You know, it's not professional. I, I, I get that, but uh, you know, to 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 paint it that it was some sort of you know physical abuse and and, and that's like mm. they're all out of line. I think Kodis was out of line for even saying. <laughs> If he did say, if he did say that it was an okay call, that because that call was crazy. There was no way that was a red or even a yellow. Yeah, here's a, here's a few things. yeah but he's got nothing to do with that. I mean, but, 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 fans, you know, but, like, going after him is just ridiculous. Yeah, but, it's, it's ridiculous but keep for him as well, and then it's also ridiculous for Vergara to butt in and all this stuff. It's just a whole mess. Yeah, but yeah, keep in mind, keep in mind, couple couple weeks before, couple you know, months before, you know, Veracruz. They were also eliminated unjustly from the from the. Uh, the last league, yeah, yeah, that's true. So I mean, obviously, there's 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 a little there's bitterness in in, well, yeah. in, in, in Veracruz, and that probably had something to yeah, do with it. But because you know what, Veracruz is they're just they're just not good enough or have that the, the kind of clout. To yeah, they're a small team. But but, but <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I didn't I didn't want to talk I didn't want to you know talk about this right now. I was going to bring it you know later in the in the show. But we'll, I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll bring I'll, it up later. We'll bring it up later. Keep we'll, we'll put put it in your pocket. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't no, have to no, no, no. It's 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 you minor. It's it's minor. It's minor. I mean, I can understand Goody's frustration at the at the officiating, and obviously he's at the head of the officiating because you look when you look at the America America. Um, Atlas game over the weekend. Atlas got away with murder with uh, Kahneman's. Uh, oh yeah, with Kahneman's uh, uh, two-studded, you know, uh, tackle, and you obviously saw the cut, you know, on on Sambuesa. and then obviously, you know, uh, what's his name, Miki Arroyo comes in the in, in defense of his of his teammate, and you know, granted, he didn't re, you know react you know uh, properly. I got to tell but, you, is not not the perfect, not the best example there because he's one of the guiltiest parties when it comes to deceiving oh, yeah. the refs. Anyway, so yeah. I mean, I, I take anything that Arroyo but, but, says. Let's, let's but, stop right. Let's stop right there. Okay. I want to talk about we're not we're not getting to America just yet. We we'll have your America corner in a little bit a little bit later. Yeah. Um, so you can go off on that. <laughs> I was about to go off. You can have your your Por favor. your, your, your mid show tirade. During that's, the America segment. That's, that's Ronnie's bread and butter right there. Let's do it. But anyway, so just a couple of things to take away from this. You know, first of all, if the guy has a drinking problem, <laughs> yes or no. But the fact that he went out to the parking lot, the toughest guys in the world go out in the parking lot, no, you know, asking for a fight, knowing that the other guy is nowhere near. Like the worst thing that could happen was the guy yeah. show up. Like, oh, yeah, and he was surrounded by all you know all these uh, guaruras anyway. So like, what was, was going to happen? What was going to happen? You know, just... Secondly, the only reason Vergara said what he said is to just deflect all attention off of him Absolutely. onto this guy, so that Chivas could just quietly go about their business of watching Dorados lose. I, I thought he wanted the attention though. You see the uh, picture they took of him, of the whole oh, team. Yeah, he's was... like in the middle with the jersey and stuff. Everyone is in suits. Yeah, he's such a homer, man. Okay, so let's talk about the other uh, incident that happened extra cancha uh, during the games, and that was uh, the Estadio Cuauhtémoc hey. uh, to, uh, uh, opening its doors again after about a, I guess like a year's worth of remodeling. It looks great. They uh, kind of kind of enclosed it. it was... Looks like my shower curtain. Yeah, there the it enclosure is. of the like, them. Like, it's <laughs> an odd. It's a, yeah, it's an odd choice. The color and like this, like weird sort of patterns they chose. I think it it's kind of like, like a. 
It's like a weird ripoff of like uh, I think Bayern Munich's uh, stadium has a yeah. that really cool light up thing that they do. I mean, this is just like static. It doesn't like, the colors don't ever change. But uh, go on. I mean, it, it's terrible what happened. I mean, the Ugh. fans. I mean, what I didn't understand. I mean, I understand that if your team is losing and you're you know you're frustrated because you spend a big wad of money down to to go see your team. You you know you travel you know, however far it is, get the Puebla, you know, a couple hour flight, whatever it is. And your team loses, and they suck, and you're mad, and you take out your not like that, but you took out. But they were winning. That, that that's the part that I don't get. I mean, they had a great game outside of Hobbit's uh, tremendous goal. I mean, they oh, yeah. dominated from stem to stern, and and, uh, and and they had you know another team that looks great. I think the but, worst. Uh, sorry to interject, but I think just quickly to me the, the worst. Um, somebody losing their uh, somebody's flipping their lid over there, but. Uh, to me, the worst part is simply the fact that it was the fans of Monterrey who just got a new stadium, like you know, a couple months ago, and no one's gone over there and 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 ripped out the seats and 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 set fire to the stands. I don't know. It's just from what it looks like in the vi- in the video, it seems like it was an accident. Somebody dropped their bengala, and you know, those cheap seats just caught fire. No, there are accidents, and there are, there are accidents. I mean, I mean, there's no reason for them to bring, you know, fireworks or bengalas or anything to the game. It's just they bring they bring on every game. You know, that's that's a yeah. staple of Mexican soccer. You know, I don't know if I'd say it's a staple. I mean, some 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 fan bases. Is that their story? That 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 the little Roman candle. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just that's a cheap excuse to be honest. That's a it's a lack of respect. You know. I, and furthermore, it's a lack of respect they, they too. Did, that, they did try to put it out by peeing on it. So. Oh well, I mean, <laughs> ex, expect nothing less from the classiest, you know. But uh, I, it's just the worst part is actually the fact that Puebla has asked uh, Monterrey to pay for it, and they want like they wanted like three thousand dollars or something like that. Like I, they obviously like you know they priced them up, they marked them but up. I don't think like, that Puebla asked them. I think the league said Monterrey, you're paying for that. Well, either way, they have to. I mean, yeah, the league, the league was swift. I, I like, I like the way that the league, and yeah, the, the, the few times, you know, that, that that we see the league actually, you know, take. Looking at the pictures, though, those are some cheap seats. There needs to be a section. You know how they go? They like running when they score a goal. They like run up, up and run up and down the stands and stuff. Right. That might. I mean, if if, the, if people were switching seats and stuff like that and stepping on yeah, that, see that. Ant, they just. In, yeah, uh, the, see, that's what I'm saying. It, you know, it was cheaply made. It's well, easy to catch fire. It's like they and, wrapped it with egapak is what they did. You know, it's it's, it's like duct tape. It's yeah, duct tape they, they obviously cut some corners when they when they uh, remodeled the stadium. But I, honestly, I feel like that's besides the point anyway. I feel like uh, – I, I do feel like the league is kind of doing – they have, you know, they're sort of making an effort here to uh, move away from the Barras Bravas and – and the supporters groups and, and, and really have a more family-friendly atmosphere, which some teams already do. Uh, some teams don't really have a big supporters section like that. So the newer stadiums and the ones that get remodeled are probably going to do away with those sort of walking stands anyway. They're going to try to do what the Premier League did, you know, what they did in the late you know, 80s and early 90s where they, they get rid of those stands and they put seats in and you, know, you pay for a seat, you sit down and you watch the game. You can scream, you can yell, you can sing, but you don't need to be jumping up and down in the seats. You don't yeah. need to be tearing them out. You don't need to be burning anything. You just come and watch the game, you know. But isn't there a section, and even in England, for the the supporters group to go all crazy? Some, 
Some no, stadiums, I, I think some older stadiums still have them. Yeah. But if you look at the Emirates, for example, or or uh, Stamford Bridge, uh, you know, even Old Trafford, I'm pretty sure don't have uh, any of those standing, you know, uh, areas. So I mean, I guess you could take a cup of tea to to the game. You could if you wanted to, probably in a mug or something, lace it up with some whiskey if you wanted to. Oh, believe me, it's, it's still plenty rough. It's just, you know, everyone has their own individual seat. I do got to say, though, that I got to, you know, that fire, you know, that safety hazard of, you know, the, the seats catching fire. I got to commend the, the Rayado fans that they stayed their composure and didn't die stampede out of fear, you know, <laughs> being caught in, in the middle of that fracas. So I got to say. Quite the, the optimistic look you got there, Fernando. Well, I'm just saying, you know, like, it could have been a lot worse, man. It could have been Hillsborough with those cheap seats right there. <laughs> well, you know, regardless of the fact, I mean, the fact that it happened, I think it takes some away from the, the the fact that the Monterey has a really good team. And I, think I agree. And a chance to uh, do really well, I mean, as they, as they showed in this game. And, and that kid, uh, that 18-year-old uh, Central, good Lord, he is fantastic. He is yes, he is. You know, we kind of talked man. about him a little bit uh, during the last season, and I and I, and I said that was a player. Yeah, definitely a player to watch. I mean, um, it's not the first time that he has hit assist from – yeah, he had a couple last season too. Um, it's very, he's got a he's got some Rafa Marquez in him, you know. And he was and, the uh, one that scored the, the goal against Nigeria, right? Wasn't he the one that did the, the 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 weave through the Nigerian? No, no, no. That's no, no. He wasn't. He wasn't a part of the current uh, the last under 17s. I think right now he just got his first call up to uh, to the under 18s. So he'll be a part of the under 20 cycle. The next this one coming up. He needs to be on the Olympics. I mean, period. They need I think, to put him on the Olympic team. You know what? I think with 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 Gutierrez with Potro, he's um. He's a bit of an old school kind of coach, and he has his base to find. I don't, I don't see him moving away from from Jordan Silva and Carlos Alcedo. I'd see him, you know, he'd be quicker to bring in someone like Edgardo Marin, um, uh, or, or you know, even Briseño from Tigres, and he would bring in Montes. He's not going to experiment so close to the Olympics, but I, I agree with you. Because I mean, I'm, and, and a, yeah, I know, right? Like, I mean, if if it was anything like four years ago, Herrera would have never made the team under. Uh, Gutierrez because Herrera only snuck in, you know, three three months before the tournament. Um, but but you're right. I mean, he's he's a kid with a lot with a bright future. I, I think that uh, you know him and, and Salcedo are, are are guys to really keep an eye on when it comes to uh, to center backs for Mexico. Yeah, he gives me hope there because I was getting a little worried over that, thinking, man, there's because but Isenio was a guy that I was hoping that was going to be you know finally have the light come off and. And, and figure things out because that's the area, you know, at least national team wise, where Mexico yeah, you know, because physically, really you know, Briseño has got a lot of lot of good, like a really good tool set physically, but but he's a, uh, you know, like I remember during the Inter 17 World Cup, even when when Mexico won it, um, he was he was a little shaky then, and and that's uh, that's the point where you sort of hope that with more experience and more game time with the professionals, he could iron those things out. And he, I mean, he has to a certain degree. I mean, he did pretty well at Atlas, and and he's done okay when he's gotten playing time under, you know, Ferretti. But I'm not entirely sure how he projects uh, in the future towards a, you know, the senior national team. I think even, you know, like I said, Montes and and Salcedo, you know, those guys, 
that, that you know it looks a little bit more clear for them. You know their pathway towards the the national team. Not so sure about Bisenio. I, I have my doubts about him. All right. Speaking of Atlas defenders, uh, they got one of their prodigal sons back mm-hmm. to, for him to finish out a string, and it looks like chances are pretty good that he's going to be finishing out the string on a wheel. I mean, a wheelchair the way he's going. It's just it's just uh, when you're at a certain age, muscles tear and they take a little longer to heal. For you youngsters, it uh, it kind of sucks. <laughs> but that's what's happening to Rafa Marquez, who uh, only played a half, and they announced that he had a micro tear in his mm-hmm. muscle, which is like, you know, I get a micro tear in my muscle, you know, stretching over the fridge to grab the <laughs> to grab the fry make or whatever. It just how on earth can that? Yeah, he'll be out for yeah. He's going to be out for at least a week. They said. Um, so and then he you got Geritol. I mean, come on. Well, you know, even when he was at, at Hellas Verona, you saw him, you know, he was out every other week, you know, and it was always the same thing, muscle injuries, uh, he wasn't quite fit. He well, was, yeah, you know, he's like in his mid-40s. I mean, give the guy a break. <laughs> anyway, just but, put some bank game, buff it out, you know? Yeah, but you could tell the way, the kind of impact that he had, uh, you know, in week one. I think he was really, and even the, the first half of this most recent game, I mean, he... The guy is just class, and, and even with his lack of pace and movement, you know, and he's a little limited in that sense right now, he did a really good job to keep the, the midfield and, and the defense really compact and allow Atlas to really sort of push forward and, and make things happen. The moment he came out, I mean, they, they were lost. And uh, that's, I think They've that's... lost ever since. The, the plan A should not be, you know, what, what happens when Rafa's on the field. The plan A should be what happens when he's not on the field, because I think we can all sort of surmise that he's going to be out more than he's going to be able to play anyway. I mean, like you said, at his age, you know, if he's if he plays one game every every ten days, I think that's a victory for them. What does the future hold for him? Is is he is he going to go into broadcasting? He mentioned or, coaching. Does he, to, does he does he want to coach? He mentioned coaching, and I think he would be. I think he'd be a really good coach. Was that recent? Because I remember a long time ago, at least when he was with Barcelona, that. He said that he doesn't want a, a post-playing uh, football career, I guess, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, I remember reading an interview with him, uh, I don't know, a few months ago. Um, it was after uh, Juan Carlos Osorio went to visit him in Italy, and, and he briefly mentioned that, you know, he'd like to give it a shot. You know, I don't know, you know, if that's just one of the many things that he has planned, but I think, like, you know, I don't know, I feel like his, his talent and his – and it would be wasted, you know, behind the scenes if he's not involved with development, the development of players, especially young players. Here's before, what I'd like to see. Before Salinas, uh, before Grupo Salinas took over Atlas, um, there was an investment group uh, that obviously it didn't come to fruition, but uh, uh, they were trying to, to, to get Atlas from the old group in you know, Rafa Marquez wanted to be part of that group, so I I was under the impression that he wanted to get into the uh, into the management aspect of the game and not so much like uh, you know the coaching. So I mean, to my I to my, a, I think to my a, so he wants to be more of an owner, than, more of that, that kind of general more manager. of a more of an executive, more of an owner. Uh, to my knowledge, I haven't seen anything about him, like you know, getting his coaching certificate or any of that sort. You know, 
Because the yeah. national team would be his. The fact yeah. that nobody seems to, none of the guys that are older than him seems to be getting into coaching. And basically there's like a, a massive void that's already kind of evident, but it's only getting worse because it doesn't seem like any of these ex-players recently retired or at least I don't see anybody really uh, pursuing that life. Um, I'm, I've always been hopeful because I don't think at least anybody in, our, in, our, in this current and last generation of footballers that anyone's ever seen and understood and viewed the game as well as Rafa. Oh, yeah. no, no. They're not well, at least pointing, at least on on the sidelines, pointing and 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 giving direction. I honestly think it'd be a, a, a gigantic shame, a big loss. Well, it, it's not it's not a it's not a problem, Dan. You know, because if, if you think about it, like no, what I'm saying is what I'm what I'm saying is that you know the, the for the most part, you know the the coaches, you know the successful coaches. Weren't really the stars, you know, right. in their in their in their playing careers. You know, Mesa 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 was a career backup for Andres Marin in in Cruz Azul. You know, obviously great, La Fuente. He, in, the uh, big difference, though, Ronnie, is that La Volpe was a, a goal. Of his mind, it's, it's it's a backup. Too, it, 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 most of the reason that he was as good as he was had nothing to do with. Or not nothing, but had mostly to do with what's between his ears more than what's on his body. Like his, his he's always been slow. He's never been um, terribly athletic. It's it's his vision and his just his brains that's always what's made him that good. And and so I so I think that it, it would make an easy transition despite his stardom and the fact that a lot of a lot of ex stars don't do well. I think that's why he would do well because of just the type of position that he played and the type of player that he. Was type of leader he is. Well, you know they, they usually say that you know goalkeepers and and uh, center backs. I mean this might just be anecdotal evidence anyway, but they, they <coughs> people usually say that they make the best coaches simply because they spent their whole careers, you know, sitting back and seeing everything unfold in front of them. So that that somehow gives them a, a, a I guess a better appreciation and understanding for the game. If that were to be true, if that were to be true. And I think well, that but, 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 could potentially, you know, exploit that. But they also right. they, they also <coughs> say that they also say that players that that were more offensive players tend to be more defensive in coaching, and vice versa. The you know the, that you know players that were more defensive, being goalkeeping, being defenders, are more offensive in their coaching. Now, is there really you know empirical evidence? I don't know, but you know, off the top of my head, it seems to be the case. At least well, in the, in the how Mexican does that, it, it, that's how, how does that explain Dunga? He was no, a defensive no. midfielder and became uh, like the most defensive uh, coach of all it's that. It's not uh, no. Yeah, I mean, he may just be the anomaly. He may not be. You know, he's a rule to the exception. Yeah, but you know, uh, again, I don't think it's. I, I, there's a lot of Mexican coaches. Yeah, reverse that, Christian. There's a lot of Mexican coaches. Not all of them were stars and stuff like that. But I, I'm not expecting. I mean, I, 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 I'm not expecting national team players to go into coaching because obviously, you know, the, for for more than 30 years, 40 years, the salaries in Mexico and first division have been have been good enough where players don't have to, you know, go into coaching to make ends meet. They well, they have a if they if they love what they do, then they'll go into coach. Absolutely. But and, but and, I mean, but but they have to love it. They 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 can't just go into coaching because they think that that's their next step. I yeah. They don't they don't. So if, if Rafa wants to go into coaching, it'd be great. If he wants to, I mean, if he wants to be an executive, I think that he'd be great at that too. If he, you know, frankly, 
and you know, I know some of you are better looking than he is, but he's a really good looking guy. He can go. Make, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding. He can, he uh, can go make movies. He can. He can go into make movies. He could become a mayor. <laughs> he All has right, a show, face. I can shows over. Him. Shows over, guys. I can see him losing. <laughs> I can see him losing his head though. Take the compliment and run with it. I know, I know is. that he's not as good. He'd end up being the next Pudio or doing something like that. I know. Uh, novela. <laughs> I know. If you guys were in a room and he walked in, he would be the ugliest dude there. I know. Wow. I know. That is so cool, man. Thank you for that. I needed yeah. to hear that. <laughs> no, but but going back to, going back to the the, the coaching and, and we won't talk about it because I know we hashed it before, but. I mean, you look at you know, you know. I think the last time I was at the stadium for the for the final, uh, the Gold Cup final here in Philadelphia. I mean, I was like, dude, there's a lot of you know, uh, like you know, players. You know, Braulio Luna. You have Trujillo. You had, a, I mean, you had a bunch of them. And these guys are choosing, you know, they're choosing media, media yeah, yeah, because it's a stable job. Sure. You know? You know, and it's got longevity. You know, they can. I mean, if they bounce out of a network, they can you know, find another network and. What's that? He does, he does a good job. Braulio I does agree. Good job. Who's, uh, no, Mar- uh, Mariano? No, Braulio Luna does really. He does. He's very good at TV. You know who's not? You know who's not very good though is Osvaldo Sanchez. No. I think I think his commentary is is just simply. Yeah, Gonzalo Pineda is pretty good too. Gonzalo Pineda is a very smart kid. I mean, he, oh, he, he finished. Is. He finished like law school. Jorge Campos is terrible. Yeah, he is. But he's <laughs> not the worst. Is that why he's the worst, man? He's such a clown. Pineda finished law school while playing for Pumas. He went to, yeah, he's, you know, and and that was a plan that he had regardless of whether or not, you know, his career uh, panned out or not, which I think is very impressive. I want to ask uh, Joel, who uh, Chivas has. Wait, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) Chivas has. One guy, uh, a former player who's a coach, Zoramoncito. And then it, is he coaching one of the U teams or what is he coaching? Yeah, I think he's in charge of the under. Wrong coins. He's in charge of the under 20s. <laughs> um, you know, if anything, that that's an aspect of the of the Mexican soccer culture that can be still developed. I mean. Um, like you said, you know, the, the former <laughs> players are going into media careers and to really do nothing more than being pundits. It's not like any of them are off, like, you know, T.K. Fonseca's over at, uh, at Televisa. And, I mean, I, I, some of the stuff, you know, his, he did some stuff for BN Sports during the summer for uh, Copa America. And it, when he was surrounded by a good panel, his insights were, were, were pretty good. But now he's, he's in Televisa. He's surrounded by a bunch of suits that are more concerned about being overly cynical about stuff than they are about really analyzing games. And so he kind of drops to a level. So, you know, I'm not sure. But, I mean, that's an aspect that we could develop even further. That's something that could potentially grow. But but the top, the top players have options. What I'm saying is that, you know, the, the, the journeymen, the guys that are basically that, that spend seven, ten years and, and made a, you know, a, a, a pretty – a career that, you know, probably are not going to go into TV – those are the guys that are going into coaching. So I mean, I, I don't the think there's a, there's a short of, yeah, the faceless guys. And, and, you know what? I want to add to that. Uh-huh. If you're not well connected, right? You're not you're not gonna get that many opportunities. And and uh, we could see it with Galindo. He's coaching like. Are you third, third, third division here in the U.S. now? I mean, yeah. 
And uh, are you saying mm-hmm. that because of of his looks, like you know, Claudio Suarez, or is that what you're trying he, to say, Holly? He, he doesn't have a long blonde hair like Almeida did. Well, yeah, there's that. I don't think that's fair. Just let's just keep in mind, uh, Nacho Ambriz, just throwing it out there. That's true. You shut, true. You shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, but I mean, you can see it with other other players like uh, Hugo Sanchez. I mean, if you see his record, it's it's pretty good. Actually, Joel, can you elaborate though on on on, on uh, Ramoncito? Because I actually I'm actually hopeful for him. Because I think I, you know what? He's one of my he, favorite players. He, they wanted him to take over as coach, but that was with when the De La Torres were were in charge of Chivas. And uh, now that they're gone, he got demoted. So if you heard Vergara, he was talking about uh, Omar Bravo being the coach. But he but he says like four years down the line, like send them to Europe and then bring them back. I mean, that's an idea. I mean, I, you know, the preparation to be a coach is, is, you know, it's extensive and you need experience and you need – you know, I, I'm of the idea that players should work their way up, you know, working with kids and then, you know, up to professionals. I mean, there are maybe some exceptions, the but, guys but that you know, step right in, but... Yeah, but we don't give a lot of our own. Like, you had Joel Tiburon Sanchez, and he had done a pretty good job with Colibrias. Yeah. And, I mean, there's there's more guys, like, in in, a, in second division, and a lot of them get looked over, and we'll end up with, with dudes like Almeida, who, who have similar experience, but... But abroad, yeah. but abroad, and we, we, you know, our owners tend to value that more. Hey, who's watching uh, FC Juarez? They just beat Chivas. <laughs> One, <laughs> wow. Go by a mix. Hey, uh, <laughs> well, they're any champions, you know. Well, we'll Almeida's record now is officially worse than Chepo's when Chepo got yeah, sacked. They, they already what are you talking about? He won the What happened? Joel, I have a question for you. You're talking about coaches and connections, and I know that you're, you know, somewhat connected down there. What was the real reason that Camoranesi left uh, Coras? You know, the story is that uh, Coras was going to play a Copa MX game against Chivas. Right. And uh, Iguera went to talk to Camoranesi while the players, the players were warming up, and uh, this was like, like in the back in the locker rooms. So, uh, you know, who knows what he told him. He had just taken over Chihuahua, so he probably told him to drop the game. Yeah. But but uh, what happened was that Camoranesi quit right there. He left, and his players didn't even know. They were, they were the game was about to start. Because I remember I was going to watch the game. I thought, oh, man, Camoranesi, I want to see how, you know, you know, this guy. That, that, that was really cool that he was coaching down there. I think he was doing a pretty decent job, I think. Well, he lives in Atlanta, I'm sure. He lives on the coast. I mean, good Lord, it's gorgeous. Well, there. I think he took a coaching gig in Argentina, no? Oh, did he? I think he... Well, regardless. Okay, go uh, Yeah, I think he took a coaching gig, uh, not you know, very recently, maybe like a couple of weeks ago. Um, or at least that, that's what was being mentioned. But uh, it's kind of like the same thing that's been happening with you know within the league with the players themselves. The younger players that can't find opportunities are being loaned out to, to teams in the second division. So maybe something similar could be done. I mean, I know 
Paul already mentioned it. But, you know, there's, there's a couple guys down there that get looked over. Yeah, and, and you know what? The good thing you mentioned Camoranesi because Tiburon Sanchez, it was his first um it was his first gig as, as coach. It was him and uh, Gustavo Napoles mm-hmm. and they, they made the final. They lost it on penalty kicks, I believe to Necaxa and and they fired him after that. Yeah. And I think they I think and it was Higuera, I think he already had Camoranesi. And they went more with like Camoranesi didn't really have experience and they went with you know, he won a World Cup and mm-hmm. he yeah. he was with Juventus and they they valued that. I, I think they you know, and they haven't really done much since. It's because it's all it's all labels. Well maybe maybe if Juan Carlos Osorio manages to, to achieve some 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 level of success with the national team, maybe that could prompt the you know the first division club owners to maybe have a little more uh, maybe not be so close-minded when it comes to coaching uh, opportunities for younger coaches because I mean I think the next obviously in my opinion the next question would be who are the up-and-coming coaches? How many coaches are in, in first division teams, whether it's an assistant or with part of a coaching staff in any capacity? that one could say maybe within the next two to three tournaments could be potentially taken over a team. Even the younger coaches in the league are mostly foreign. Almeida, you know, the the, the guy at Santos. Um, who are the Mexican coaches? Vuce, uh, Nacho Ambriz, um, Miguel Herrera with Cholos, and... I, I can't honestly. I can't think of any. I mean, maybe I'm missing one or two, but that's that's a pretty low ratio for 18 teams in the professional league. You know, you guys were talking about Rafa Marquez becoming a coach. I think Rafa will can get his career started if he starts being assistant to La Volpe at Chiapas. That would be amazing. I think he will be very successful if he does that. I think that's exactly where Rafa wants to live when he <laughs> in Chiapas. Yeah. Yeah. In... <laughs> More humid than Houston, Chiapas. Yeah, it's straight jungle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Or, or, or he could just go to Nicaragua for like two, three hours. And he'll, he'll get his accreditation. A word for Hugo. You know? Hey, man, why do you have to have to have accreditation to be a coach? Well, you should. You should, okay. you should, you know, you should show competence. I, I mean, think FIFA, I think FIFA requests it. Does it really? You have to have your... You yeah, they, you know what? yeah, because they, they were saying something about if you're going to be on the field. Hello? See, that was that's what happens when you start... That's Ugo. Ugo you start talking about Ugo, man. The equipment manager, the equipment manager <laughs> or something, just, just so he could be on the field. I mean, not on the field. Yeah, the, the, the assistant coach for Sidon, he doesn't have the, uh, he didn't <laughs> have the proper uh, credentials, and so they, they signed him up as like, as the as the ball boy, ball the water boy. Or exactly, that's my point. <laughs> why, why have to, I mean, you know, Sudan couldn't have the credentials to say he's the, you know, the 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 the, the, the line chalker on the stand. He's gonna be the, he's gonna be the guy that puts the line. Oh, he's gonna stay for the rest of the game, sit on the bench. Yeah. It's paid a couple zillions yeah. at the same time too. All right, so we we had we had a little Chivas talk, and it's only fair, only fair. I know that. That uh, we bottled it up a little earlier, but I think it is time for some. It's an amazing I believe, I believe, Ronnie, you had requested 
a tirade. Wait, so. wait, no, no, I, I was next in line, dude. It's related. It's related to America. It's related uh-huh. to America. It's so, it's extra cancha so, with with the actress. So you are officially cock blocking Ronnie's. <laughs> I'm officially uh. Joel has no. Go ahead, Joel. You're gonna. Joel has the conch. I. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, maybe Ronnie could enlighten us what's going on with um the actress that she 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 had she claimed to have had a kid from Layun. Now she's saying it was uh, Akivaldo's kid. Yeah. So I mean, these dudes were double dipping. Wait, you know what? They, they, the, 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 proper term, the proper term is pig roasting. Pig roasting. Well, well, Ronnie, I think there was some airtight scene going well, in there because I, I've seen the picture of the kid and he looks like neither of them. So, so, so there could be a third gunman, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So, 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 okay, so the kid's not Chocomilkeo. No. <laughs> So it's not like Iwalo's then. I don't know if Iwalo's married and had kids already. You can still have kids even if you're married. (laughs) Well, I mean, yes, you can, but I I don't know. Maybe I'm naive. I thought I could have sworn he was, like, you know, happily married. He was. was, They're not not all Mormon and faithful like Beth, okay? (laughs) 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 That whole Madonna whore complex. Go ahead. No, but the the other thing, you know, coming out of uh, America. Well, I'll, I'll get into my little tirade first. You know, you know, I was talking about the uh, the brutal attack on Sambu from uh, you know Atlas Kahneman, and it was too stu- too studded. It should have been red carded, and then the little melee with what's the name uh, Felipe Valoy and stuff like that, basically, you know, choking uh, one of our players, and obviously Arroyo got caught in. You know, he he. He shouldn't have, you know, he shouldn't have, uh, have uh, been provoked and stuff like that. But what pissed me off was, you know, same thing that happened in, in the fight, you know, in the in the semis with uh, with with Pumas is that I, I'm still not seeing the game. I'm still not seeing, you know, the games called both ways. So you, you had like a like a like a Vietnam flashback when you saw the and it's funny because even even what's his name Martinoli and and, and and Garcia and stuff like they're saying you know Atlas should have had three guys you know sent off right then and there and 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 obviously America's is the uh, the one that's getting you know got sent off Arroyo got sent off and I'm thinking Jesus Christ we're back to square one we're we're basically getting our players sent off and the opposing team nothing which, it's, by the way, it, before before it, you go any further, you know, before I forget, we have to make sure that we, because uh, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but uh, the whole racism that what's his name was Quintero was crying about, it's already been proven that it, it didn't happen. The, it wasn't proven. It was just no evidence. Big difference. Yeah. Which means it didn't happen. No, yes. meaning they goes. They no, they, they, it was it was a tree that fell in the forest and nobody was there to hear. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But you know, um, I'm glad that, you made that clarification, Ronnie. Yeah. So no, but that 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 you know that really that's so you're just me. mad that that the refs are calling the games a little a little heavy-handed toward America. And well, the did, did you guys see that? Did you started to develop a reputation for crimes? This brusque, rough player of theirs. Did you see? Did you see Sambu? Uh, 
uh, rest his feet on the ice cooler with where you could see his uh, his injury? Yeah. <laughs> what 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 would happen to anybody if if they took a cleat to the shin? You think they they get scraped a little scraped a little boo? But you get smarted. No, I'm just saying. Here's the thing with Samba though. He he goes in and it's like a, almost a 50-50 ball. He, yeah, exactly. he gets it first, but he goes in full speed. It's like the the Javier, uh, what's his name when he got injured? Wemis. That was totally his fault too. Speed. Why are you gonna go in full speed when this one dude's going in crazy as well? It's when you go in full speed and you tap it to the side, and you're just risking who, just putting your. Who, go, who goes? Who goes? Two studded tackles in midfield. Yeah, and obviously, obviously, full blast. He kicks the ball full blast. So his Ruben Sambuesa has never, you know, he's such a clean player that he would. I never think, do yeah, I think John, John's on. Uh, to me, it's pretty much like the Club America players are like the boy who cried wolf because uh, Sambuesa, Arroyo, you know, uh, a couple of the other guys to a lesser degree, but these guys embellish too much for my liking, and it's. Uh, the the problem is, is when they do get fouled and it's aggressive, it's hard to tell. Especially with, with the the biggest defender in my for my you know for my money is Arroyo. Arroyo um, goes down like he's sniped at least four or five times a game, and then the re- even during this game, there was, ro- ro- he went down. Rolling. He went down on the sideline, and he was grabbing and gesturing to the ref, and I think the other player might have gotten a second yellow because of that. And it, and in the replays, you could tell it. He was never even. It was never even touched. Now, we all know, and we should know that you know every weekend or after every every set of games, the referee commission will review the games and will go over the calls. If this happens week after week, and it's found out that uh, a couple of these players on this one, and it's not, not obviously not just America, but America being one of the more prominent teams, if this happens week after week. It's it's only natural that the refs would be a little more apprehensive about giving calls towards the players. I think oh, that's just a na- that's a natural it's sort of the natural progression because the when, players. When, when did that when did Arroyo basically uh, get uh, get thrown off? It was right after the the call mm-hmm. where Kahneman goes in there too studded uh, and, and uh, hard you know fouls Sambu, which should have been an automatic red. Well, obviously Arroyo, and, and I'm saying, and you know, and, I, and, and I'm not, you know, condoning Arroyo's reaction. I'm just saying is that they've been seeing it for quite a while now. At least, you know, I, I've been noticing the officiating going against America for the past two years. So that's I mean, the thing. That's the thing. And I mean, and, 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 and they're just like if the, if the official's not going to call it, well, obviously there's going to be you know you know street justice, if you will. And I'm, and I'm not saying that that's right, but you know. That's, that's where the, I, that, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. But that's where the players come in because the, the, if we we essentially have to part off, or at least the baseline has to be whether or not you believe that the officiating is corrupt. You know, if you believe it's corrupt, then you know, obviously, you know, it's a lot easier to buy into a lot of these other theories that certain teams are benefited or not benefited by the officiating. If you don't believe the refereeing is corrupt, then it's simply that the pace of the game has surpassed the abilities of the referee on the field, then that's where the players come into this. The players have to be aware that there are cameras all over the field and, and, and that any sort of gamesmanship that they employ to get an advantage will be called back, will be will be reviewed. And if it's not called during a game, the referees are going to be much more hesitant to, to sort of be on their side when something does go down. And, and I feel like there are some repeat offenders. Like I, I think some boys, one of his one of his 
traits as a player, and I think it's a compliment to him, is his ability to draw fouls. But if you draw, yeah. nine, if you draw out of, out of ten instances, you draw eight fouls, but the other two are simply you embellishing and trying to get somebody sent off or or to get a penalty. Those are going to stick out even more. And 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 you know, in the next week when another, it's a different ref is going to come around. He's already going to know that the two or three of these guys on the field are guys that like to embellish and look to get players sent off and look to get advantages. And, 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 and so it becomes this weird cyclical thing that happens where, you know, the, the players are fouled, the referee doesn't believe them, or the players aren't fouled, the referee believes them, and next thing you know, the games get out of hand. And I think the players are maybe not as responsible as the referees, but they have a big part to play in this. No, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, you know, you know, and you're right about Sambu. I mean, he it, it, it is a virtue. I mean, he has the ability to hide the ball well. Yes, and to and to I mean Cuauhtémoc, you know my Cuauhtémoc, in my opinion was very good at it as well, where oh, yeah, he could absolutely. you know he, he could he could you know he could he he could dominate the ball with both feet and stuff like that, and he was able to hide the ball well and draw fouls. Now obviously you know you're not doing it to the point where you want to get hacked and 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 get you know injured, but you're doing it to the point where okay maybe you draw a foul and then you know the player is gonna. You know, be a little bit more cautious. Maybe that's how they're doing it. But you know, I can understand Arroyo's frustration because you're seeing it even with the owners. I mean, Cudi's a prime example. I mean, I know. I mean, again, I'm sorry, but you know, these these there's these guys get it right. I mean, watch any other league, and it's the same thing. They absolutely make mistakes. It happens. That's that's the thing, you know. This is part of the game, you know. And this, yes. uh, and I've said it before. I mean, that's part of that human error element. This part of what makes this. Was this past game. league yet? Was this past league yet not played with uh, uh, officiating uh, controversies? Yeah, especially yeah, the Depends who you ask. Not necessarily against a particular is team. I don't think. Where there are no officiating controversies, honestly. Well, it isn't isn't America the uh, the running joke is that they have the refs on their side all the time? Maybe things right. are evening out. That is a fact. <laughs> Maybe things are evening out. The refing is getting better, and America is not used to it. They're like, what? Well, where's our well, where's I, our I, player? You know. You know, in my opinion, the 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 reason why is that uh, Americanists feel like they're being targeted. It's because of their own players. Like I see, I said, Asambuesa knows how to embellish here and there. But look at what they do after the game is over. They're taking pictures of the injuries, trying to call them out. You know, there's that uh, Tintero crying racism when it never happened. You know, like they're basically these guys. They, they aren't, you a just a social ju- aren't you just yeah, a social right. justice warrior? No, that's just they, they don't they don't stick to the codigos of the but, game where but, whatever but, happens in the field stays in the field. Per, you know? do, you, do you wear a cape to work, or is it only during a podcast? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will admit, though, that that was that should have been read, but it was such a quick it was it was such a quick play that it was hard. I mean, I could understand the ref missing it. Well, that's the thing, you know. It, we get the benefit of hindsight with with the with the replays and a constant different angle. Did the guy even get a they yellow? Know. Did the guy get a yellow for it? No, he no, didn't yeah. even get that. No. Well, you know what? Here's my thing, Ron, about this whole thing. You said that you're attracted to, this, to the violence of the sport, right? Yes, I am. So, so, so that to you is like the steak. That's the sizzle for you, right? That's the salsa to the carne. Um, yeah. no. What, well, I what mean, I'm I, saying I, I, is, if that's what you like, then you're going to have to deal with the consequences. 
Yeah, but but th- there's consequences. Like you know, you're expecting the consequences. You're expecting uh, the player to get sent off, and I'm like, Jesus, not even a damn yellow. Did he get a stern talking to? At least did the no. Guy... I don't think <laughs> did he get a finger wag? Did he even get a finger wag? Nothing. I think oh. the ref was just positioned poorly because you could see. I mean, even during during the live during the you know when the game was going on, you could see that was just a terrible challenge. And to be fair, that's not the first time that that kind of man goes in two-footed or, or off-time and, and takes people out. So I expect that he will be... He's going to start getting he, carded about the reputation for it. I mean, I think he, has a terrible reputation with the ref. But you know what? I think uh, Kahneman got a red card in his first official game for Atlas, I think. I'm pretty sure he did. If it wasn't the first, it was the second for a really rash challenge. So I, I imagine that, you know, much like Sambuesa and Arroyo and all these other guys... Uh, the refs also take note of guys that sort of get away with, with those kinds of plays, and, you know, they'll keep an eye on him. And, and there's probably going to be something that, you know, will happen within, you know, two, three weeks where he'll be thrown off or something he thinks he didn't do, and, and the people from Atlas will, will cry, and, and, you know, they'll go on Capitanes and, and whatever. And, and then, you know, it's actually, Vergara said something very, very interesting yesterday where he said that, that, um, that it's, it's ridiculous for Cootie to go on complaining about referee calls when he's also been you know, on the receiving end of, of, of bad referee decisions. And, he, and he, he cited a game against Chivas, I think it was about, I don't know if it was last season or the season before, and, uh, and I actually went and looked for the video, and, and, and he was right. And it, that's the thing, is like, that's what's so weird about this. Like, all the club owners know, all 18 of these guys know that at some point or another, they will be on the receiving end or, the, or they'll be benefiting from referee mistakes. So... It's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's part of the whole thing. It's part of it the whole circus. You know. They actually event. brought up that question to the to um to to the Veracruz owner on the um, on uh, on Univision. They actually brought that up, and his his response to it was great. Uh, he, he said, uh, "He's like, I didn't see it. I was um I was in Florida." Oh, God, that's that's rich. That is, I mean, you know, I, I mean, it, it gives us it gives us something to talk about, and I think it's. That's what of, it is. It's the, the part of the novella. Absolutely. They got all this free absolutely. Uh, to me, Joel, Joel's first question was like the biggest novella question of the night. Did you hear that <laughs> Layun might have a kid with another woman? <laughs> Come on. Yes, we're we're doing an hour and a half podcast talking no, about soccer. We talk about what happens on the field like 10% of the time. That's what people tune in for. You know... Us Mexicans, you know, we love our drama. We have made a, a, a tremendous television business out of it, you know. And, and it's no surprise that it spills on to the rest of the, you know, the Mexican culture and, and lifestyle and, and especially sports, you know. You know, if it's not with soccer, it's a thing with the, with the, the Basketball Association and, and, and what happened during the Olympic qualifiers. And, 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 you know, if it wasn't that, it was the Olympic Committee, the way they would be sponsored by such and such. And this and that, it's always something that's going on, you know, that always seems that it's just more important than what's going on in the field. But at the end of the day, that's all I care about is really the results, you know, and, and, and the players that come through that can help a national team. Hey, I was looking at the replay, and the, uh, the actually Arroyo, I think, is in the way of the ref um, for him to get a good view of what happened during the play. So that might have been an issue. It's always Arroyo, man. Yeah, why is Arroyo going to go knock somebody out with his elbow? When you're up 3-0, I mean, it didn't matter anyway. He's going to get... He threw an elbow? Yeah. yeah. That's what Arroyo did? Yeah. An elbow right after that, or, you know, the guy went in on him. And he just elbowed some random... An elbow was a red in three games. 
Well, you know what? Benedetto had a, he was interviewed, I think, yesterday. And Portismoso. He said, he, said, no, he said something very interesting. He said, you know, all players, any professional player that's on the field in any country, any league, they're all hotheads, man. They're all hotheads to a certain degree, and things get out of hand. You know, that just happens, you know. But, but the thing is, you know, there are patterns with certain players, and, you know, I think the referees pick up on them, and that's what leads to all this drama. Yeah. You know, it's funny, well, Daryl Royal, who was a coach around here, uh, is known for having some great quotes, like John Wooden with the quotes, just really uh, good quotes. One of the quotes he said about football, and I think this has a lot to do with soccer, is he said that football is a game that is best played, played by angry people. And I think soccer is... Uh, I'm not saying that, that, that that's how it's best played, but I think that we see a lot of that in... Uh, in, in, in Liga MX, is there's a lot of angry dudes. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I mean, uh, to me it's weird because... And mostly they're in America, too. Oh, stop. They're not. I mean, like 95% of them are in America. Come on. <laughs> now, hey, what do you guys think of, uh, you know, America owning now uh, the term campeonismo since they are the team with the most titles? I think it's a pathetic the... attempt at attention. I think but, it's a, a terrific attempt at trolling, if nothing I, else. I, I know, I know. I That's think it's so. totally deserved. You know, honestly, the America is now but it's, you but know, it's not the, one the most championships. Just, just yeah, the, the, like, it's, like it's the, the usage of return. Yeah, yeah. The big yeah. red machine. That's all it is. It's just it's just the name of of, uh, of 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 a period of time. What was you know like what they used to call the USA the '92 Olympic basketball team? They were called uh, the, dream the Dream Team. The Dream Team, right? Now. Uh, the U.S. has won, you know, a bunch of gold medals at the Olympics after that in basketball, and you know, I mean, no, I mean, with with some very very good teams, you know, and, and I mean, but no not one, is, right, right, and so, but even then, it's like it's just it would be unnecessary for anyone else to be like, oh no, this is the new dream team, you know, what it's I love the dream team. It's just, it's just, I think it's a terrific attempt at trolling, like I said, but it does come, you know, it does make you question, like. Who handles these social media accounts? Because it's just like it must be some fresh-faced like college kid is like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna. Yeah, but you know what? The, it was so it was a Twitter thing that came out. Is that what it was? A little Twitter. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a tweet because they took the official photo and they're talking to the Campionissimo because uh, uh, obviously America has more titles than 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 any team in in, in Mexican soccer. Right. And obviously, you know, Chivas well, old time. Let's resident Chivas. Let's see. Well, their old timers are pissed off because they're thinking that no, no, campeonismo is only for teams that have that have won the double, you know, the the league and the Copa. And they, for some reason, Chivas thinks that they're the only teams in Mexico that have done the double, and that's not true. Is there is there a law that they, did they pass laws? No. <laughs> no, no, no. But I think the argument is from Chivas is that they were, you know, back in the day, they won whatever four or five titles in a row, and that's what they're hanging their hat on. But I think, technically speaking, well, let's let's hear from a from a from a from a team that's uh, Joel. Joel, when you think of the Campeonissimo, do you think of somebody's breathing really hard, by the way? So let's. Uh, Sorry, just. Okay, they're excited. Can I almost say something? Sounded like toilet flushing. So, Joel, do you consider the Campeonissimo as the period of time when it happened, or do you think, oh, when I think of Chivas, I think Campeonissimo? Nah, I, I think. Um, 
that term could be used for any team. Because uh, if you look back, Leon, Leon was a campionissimo before Chivas. The only thing is the teachers weren't popular, so he didn't stick with them. And Chivas hasn't been campionissimo in like 60 years. Yeah. So I mean, almost Atlas time. They, yes, they, they, yes. they honestly can't say anything yes. about it. They they shouldn't even. Necaxa in Puebla were also campeonísimo yeah. not too long ago. Yeah, if if anything, they should it should you but know if, encourage if them to do better in the league. If anybody had the longest like period of excellence, it would it would be this group of Chivas teams from like what the mid fifties mm-hmm. to the. Mid '60s, where they won what eight? How many did they win? Nine. Yeah, but but that's like the that's like if if you you had like Real Madrid going back to when they won all those um Champions Leagues. You're saying that back back in the '50s that it just that they they were so good that everyone else just sucked. Is that? No, no, I'm I'm not saying that. I'm just saying not not to hold on to that. Oh well, right. keep keep in mind one of the things that made you know Guadalajara a very very good team back then. They were one they were one of the few teams in in Mexico that had their own facilities. You know a bunch of a bunch of you know teams, including for example, including America, they didn't have their own facilities. Uh, so you know Chivas back then had a lot of things going for them in, in terms of like infrastructure, uh, coaching, good rivalries. And and the thing is, you know, it it you know as the teams became more professional, um, you know, they kind of paid the price because they didn't, you know, they didn't get with the times. Stuck in their own ways. Stuck in their own ways. Well, you know, that's why it hurts them so much when they see other teams winning. No. <laughs> Now, like, like you know, Joel, do you get got, mad? Do you get mad, like, you know, at tonight's game that you know Chivas loses to you know Juarez and Copa Mekis? Nah, to me it was to be expected that you the know, team had had been looking bad since the end of last season. Uh, they lost, they lost what they lost against the two worst teams, which at that point was Dorados and Santos. Mm-hmm. I mean, by this. By this point, their last eight games, they only have one win. They have about one win, uh, three draws. No, four draws, three defeats. That's not counting the the recent loss. Yeah. Now, speaking speaking of, uh, I don't want to digress here, <laughs> but speaking of uh, Copa Mekis, you know, like yesterday, Cruz Azul lost to Venados, and. Um, you know, you got you got to watch out for those venados, man. Those deers, man, because they can come out of nowhere and just you know wreck it. Yeah, so that's know? actually that's actually a big problem out where I live. There's, <laughs> they can wreck your face. Is that what you're saying? No, they can they can just you know they can come out and you, you know just love to just stick the dagger in the take it. No, I'm trying to. It's I'm trolling somebody. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, speaking what? of deers, <laughs> a big soccer member who had an yeah. incident. Yeah, with the deer. Yeah, yeah, that that's what I'm saying. You know, Cruz Azul. Yeah. You know, that deer came out of nowhere and boom, wrecked that night. That's terrible. What? What did I say? No, it's fine. It's funny. I'm wrong with you, man. Like it's just. Someone is probably going to be offended, but I'm not. It's just... Pinches, pinches venados, cabrón. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So let's uh, let's wrap the show up with some comments that were made yesterday at the ML, uh, MLS Media Day by the uh, midfielder for uh, Sporting Kansas City or Sporting KC, Benny Fieldhaber. Y'all remember Benny? Mm-hmm. Who's that? He was the one. He was the one that scored the uh, dagger. Great, 2007 great Gold goal Cup final. 2007. Yeah. Great volley, yeah. Soldier from oh, yeah. that, that, that's the goal from the furthest distance that the U.S. has ever scored in Mexico because it was actually outside the area. It was just outside the box. It was like 19 yards out. That's what I mean. It was probably the furthest because everything that they scored is... <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. Is, uh, anyway. So he had some comments, which I actually have here. Uh, he was talking about uh, yeah, a, little, a little, I guess, his commentary on how he thinks Jurgen has done which I will play for y'all here. Uh, we'll go one by one. The fact that Jurgen's not going to call me. I mean, if, if I played the year that I played this last year and I'm, I'm not getting a call, I'm not going to get, you know, an opportunity under Jurgen. And, and, I mean, that's that's something I just have to accept. It's, it's you know, I, don't even, I wouldn't say frustrating, just almost sad kind of that, you know, I feel like I'm playing the best soccer of my career, but, um, you know, I don't get the opportunity to, you know, play for my country. So, yeah, um, it's something that I've I've kind of accepted, and it just it is what it is. It's 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 not going to happen with with Jurgen as a coach. So there you Sour have grapes. It. Well, no, he's got a point. He's got a he's got a point, and I'll I'll just I'll get this out of the way quickly. I think that um, he's he made some very good points because uh, one of the things that he said specifically was that Jurgen Klinsmann is using a national team with an eye towards the future and not really towards the present. And I think that's a pretty accurate assessment of what he's done. Um, And I think it it sort of goes hand-in-hand with the very obviously poor youth development that that happens in this country because while, for example, Jordan Morris is a kid with a lot of very good intangibles that you could see translating to the professional game, the, the fact that he started getting minutes on the national team, I mean, even if it was friendlies, you got to, I mean, that just doesn't, I mean, it's it's hard, man. You can't, you know, the, 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 there's a certain level of, of uh, I feel like it's almost that the, the Americans are a little naive in that sense. They feel that they can reinvent the wheel when it comes to youth development. It's not going to happen. The national team is not meant to be a development tool. You have to give players a grace period to adapt to the, to the speed of the game at the international level. But it's not a tool. You don't use the national team for development. Even the younger teams, like the under-17s and under-20s, like the, the amount of development that happens there is is minimal, really. I mean, that should be happening with the clubs where they're there every single day. But but to to what Phil Haber said, I mean, he's absolutely on point. I mean, it's 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 not a good time to be a U.S. fan right now. There's a big gap in quality between the projection of the younger players and what they could potentially bring at some point to the national team and what's actually available to the to the coach right now and, and even so he is choosing to go hunting in you know around Europe for, for players that, that have a passport you know at least eligibility for a passport so he can incorporate them onto the team regardless of their qualifications. I mean it's I think Phil Harbour's on point to be honest. No I I, I agree one hundred percent. I think he, he's on point, you know um it, it seems that, you know, the Clintons, he's always thinking about tomorrow, tomorrow, you know, like, you know, down the road. <laughs> and it's it's like, I, I for one think... Security, Ronnie. That's no, all it is. I, I for, security. I for like, one... You're never held accountable if, if, if you keep looking forward. That's right. 
in this in this part. But, but here, 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 here's the thing. I, for one, believe that if if Donovan was at at the World Cup in 2014, they wouldn't. They, I mean, they probably would have gone past Belgium. Of course. I mean, they, but they at this, they would have won their group. And 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 it's, and it's my point. Is like you know he's he's trying to reinvent the wheel, you know, and and Jurgen's not going to change the culture of American soccer. So he might as well just pick the the, the best players he has. But do you think work. the do you think the leaving Landon though? I still think that was more personal than than an eye to the future. Well, yeah, he, yeah, he took it. He, he took if it personal because he's pointing he at like eight years in in the future. So I mean that World Cup, that last World Cup. Should have been players that you know the, be- the literally the best what they had, regardless of age. At um, but and the U.S. just like Mexico are a team that cannot. If you have your best player, you cannot afford to leave them out. Yeah, leave them. You just can't. But, do but it. I, I, you know regardless what? Regardless of your Even so, I, I will disagree with you guys. I don't think Donovan would have made much of a difference because one of his bigger or biggest assets as a player was his speed, and I don't think. By the time the World Cup came around, he had that as a, as a high point in his skill set. I don't think he would have made much of a difference. You bring him back. I mean, Lothar Mateos. Yeah. When he started out. He was an attacking midfielder. That was his position. Well, you know what? I'm, I he ended being this being this a libero, a sweeper. You know, listen. Around 2007, I made a comment on the U.S. forum about the fact that I thought, in my opinion, that Neri Castillo was a better one v one player. Because I thought he, had, he, in my opinion, he had a better uh, ability to get past players one v one. Couple that with speed. I mean, obviously, you know, London Donovan went on to be, you know, a, 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 maybe a little bit better of a player throughout his career. But I don't think that Donovan would have worked that well even as a withdrawn player. I don't think he had that. You know, he's a, he was always a very direct player, and that's where he thrived. I mean, if you slow the tempo of the game, I don't see where he would really. Be you know head head and shoulders above other players, you know. I, I in my opinion, Phil Harbor would have been a better addition to the U.S. national team in 2014 than even Donovan, because Phil Harbor does have that ability to slow things down and to pick passes out, and and he had a pretty decent amount of vision, at least within the context of his teammates. I think he would have made a, a, at least a bigger impact compared to Donovan. Well, what I've noticed about Jurgen over the past few years is that if if you build a national team, I mean, you you can't constantly bring in new guys and experiment and change things. Mm-hmm. Just... Well, he's he's responded since this uh, or just recently. Oh, Jur- uh, Jurgen? Yeah, he came back and he said, "Well, the the thing that I get out of it, he says, the other picture is the personality, the interaction with the other players, the chemistry. So to me, that's targeting exactly what, um, well, the the Landon Donovan situation." Uh, but that's that's a, that's a cop out because that's you know it's one of the biggest things that that's one of the biggest that's things in his job description. Man. I, can't, I can't control that guy. That's well, because Benny Falhaber's whole issue is the quality of play, the the play that they're doing right now. Like yeah, he but apparently Falhaber also had some locker room issues. Yes, yeah, so yes, so but, but you know what? You know what? On the field, it's other aspects that he's looking at, and maybe he's not cutting it. Well, who who's to say that the locker room apparently, you know, there were some reports that it was it was kind of broken because there was a huge influx of players that came in. While obviously technically American, they're not players that grew up within the American system, and there were some communication issues. You know, you know, it's just it's it's hard to say that that you know Donovan would have been a locker room cancer when you you know when Jurgen Klinsmann is going out of his way really. 
to fill the locker room with players that may not feel a hundred. Yes, sort of. You know, pretty much. You know, I mean, and, and I mean, it's. I think it's a really nice thing that the American fans are welcoming to a lot of these players. But well, what other I mean, choice do they have? Yeah, if they protest, they won't get called. So I mean, they. I mean, but, but I'm talking about the fans. What are the oh, choice fans? Do they have? Well, even then, I mean, American, absolutely, you're more. I think. Well, let's be real. I mean, I think the typical U.S. fan just wants to win. They don't care who the hell. I mean, they don't know the players anyway. I that's mean, true. That's true. I mean, the the, the majority of the fans that are going to be hopping on board if and when that happens, that's that's what they're they they don't care. It's just win, baby. You know, that's yeah, that's kind of like. Uh, uh, go ahead. I'm, at least, no, I was just going to say, really, like with the, with the fans, you could you could get a taste of that if you look at the reactions. From a few weeks ago, when it was reported that Jesse Gonzalez had accepted the invitation to the to the to this January camp for the U.S., and then and then how the tide turned after it, he revealed the player himself that you know he didn't really he didn't really understand why it was reported on so much because he never made his decision public that he had accepted any sort of an invitation and that he was perfectly happy to stick to to what he was doing with Mexico. That's that's sort of a microcosm of of you know the the sort of general state of mind and, and emotionally you know where the fans are because you know it's exciting it's it's almost like this blue chip thing that's happening where he goes out and kind of recruiting these players and a lot of people don't know much about him and it seems intriguing and exciting but it's just it's a weird way of going about a national team program and I don't see. I don't see that as a route to success for the U.S. You know, the the only way they're going to be successful is to do what they kind of did with with the Donovans and the Beasleys and the Dempseys and you know to a lesser extent the the Gucci Onyewus and and guys like the guys that sort of came up and and wanted to prove themselves to the world and, and had a chip on their shoulder and, all, and a lot of them had varying degrees of of skills and, and some were better than others and you know some of them were really good and some of them were okay and, and some of them made a career in Europe others didn't. But I don't feel like, you know, like this, what, what he's currently shooting for, I mean, like Ronnie said, I mean, he's, he's got an eye on tomorrow, every day, well, tomorrow, you know, we're playing for this. You know, he said that about the 2012 Olympics, they failed to qualify. So the past three years has been a thing about, well, you know, the 2016 Olympics are very, very important, and then they don't qualify automatically. Now, he does they don't really have a plan in place. He brought some under-23s into this camp to, like, give the under-23s coach a chance to work with him. What is there to work with? You had two months ago. You had qualifiers. You had a group of kids that were together. You got to see who worked, who didn't work. I mean, just the way that everything is sort of pieced together here is just it just doesn't make a lot of sense, you know. And and it's it's not even because I'm a Mexico fan and, I, and I'm I'm looking for ways to hit on him. It's just that it, it's a head scratcher. A lot of things that he does are head scratchers, you know. And, and the federation as well, extending his contract before the World Cup another four years. I don't see what he's fighting for. Because it seems like the only thing Jurgen has to choose for from is like mid-tier type players like Fellhaber or uh, you know just typical MLS guys. So there's no real standout players that are that have sure spots. So it's like you have all these mid-tier type players that aren't really super great. You know, just so, what the, so you think they're coach. kind of betting on on let's see, poach these young kids that are that have dual citizenship in the hopes that they pan out? I haven't well, even that. I mean, the only, the Julian Green is the only guy that I see that's like their young guy and then, but he has been left off from, I mean, he disappeared, I think, pretty much. But he disappeared from like, Bayern Munich. It just does seem like they're in a, in, a, in, a, in a place where they're going out of their way to find 
eligible players as opposed to just depending on on homegrown. Well, well just look at what, the... what I did in '94. Mm-hmm. You just Absolutely. find it, you know just a, a warm body American. Can you okay, let's go, Vamos. Well, you know, and, and that's <laughs> fine. I mean, that's fine. But yeah, you can't I literally I get that. You but, can't litter the team with players like that because the other players, at least the guys, I think one of the things that's happening is the guys that are in MLS. And there's a couple of guys that I think have had at least decent enough seasons the last two years that would merit some chances with a national team. You know, just to throw some names out there, a guy like Dax McCarty from the Red Bulls that I got to see often. Um, to me, I think he's a better player than Mix Discrude, who is automatic. He's like number four on Klinsman's like you know speed dial because he's <laughs> he keeps getting called in, you know. And it's like I don't see what what he brings to the table that a guy that like Dax McCarty couldn't bring. You know, so I think what happens is players get dissolution because they obviously see, they see the pattern that Klinsman has, and a lot of just you know Klinsman can say whatever he wants, but I mean if like you know we had we went through something similar with Carlos Vela where you know he opted out of the national team for a couple of years, and you know we had Miguel Herrera that was able to go and say, hey, listen, you know, new cycle, come in, let's work this out, you know, you know this and that. I mean, just writing players off because they could be potential locker room cancers. I mean. It's like you know, it's like cutting off your hand to spite your face. Well, uh, but just, just look at very he's... critical mistakes that the Klinsman has made over the past four years. For that, and I'll get right to you, Fernando. Let no me problem. just uh, real quick. Uh, one is that he has no base. In four years, he has no base. He he doesn't have a group of seven or eight players mm-hmm. called and start no matter what. You know, he he plays a different formation almost every game. So there's no cohesion, and they have no they have no style. They have no identity, and he's been there. This is his. This, either, this is the fifth year of his contract, mm-hmm. five years, and you know, just as Daniel said, it says, "Oh, it's he, his, 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 it's coming, it's coming." <laughs> That's gonna, it's uh, you know, it's a yeah, classic consultant. Oh, you're, you're still yeah, it's gonna happen, you know. Pay me, but but if you follow what I'm gonna say to do, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you gotta put perspective on this deal. Benefit Harbor is like. Complaining that oh I'm in the best state of his career, but he's playing for Kansas City, you know. And second, he's already bitching out there to the media, so it's I well, I, I side with Klinsman on that one. No, no, I think he's 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 right in doing that. Like in because if he's a hundred percent certain, then he's got nothing to lose in his mind. So sure, go ahead mm-hmm. and mouth off all you want. Well, I mean, yeah, but but then what? Afterwards, he's gonna complain. Oh well, I'm not being a starter. I'm on the bench. I'm, yeah. I already resigned my life to that. I'm not gonna be a bench player. You know, it, uh, you know what I think. Yeah, speaking of does. perspective, you know, like hold on, sec, Christian. I, I did want to respond to for now. I I do agree, like half agree with you though, with with, with your with your point though, because it is you bring up a really good point. I mean, I know you do it because you want to hate on the MLS, but but there is a valid point that Klinsman has made it very clear that he doesn't necessarily view the MLS as a very as as a really high quality type of league where he wants the U.S. players playing. He clearly values the European leagues better, and that's where he wants. That's where he wants the base of players to be playing. So I do think that you got a valid point where, you know, if Phil Hubbard can complain, but you know that this guy values players in Europe, and that's where you need to be playing. And it's true, and he's right. The the best players play in Europe. That's that's a bottom line. And he was pissed when what's his name came from Schalke for playing the Champions League, coming to I forgot Jeremy his name. Jones. Jermaine Jones, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was that was just like well, you know, a Jermaine, decision. Well, Jermaine Jones, uh, you know, he he reached, you know, he had finished his cycle of Schalke. Anyway, I think that I mean, you know, you said you you mentioned perspective, and I think that we have to remember that the U.S. managed to be competitive, you know, at the very least, 
and the world stage with a majority of MLS players. You know, I mean, they you know they had some success. Well, you know, it's easy to so, bunker. You know, that's well, even Greece I mean, can like, win you know, an Euro. Well, John said it perfectly. Perfectly, he perfectly. He stated it very well. There is no identity. There's no. There's no sort of feel to this team because he has deviated from what worked so well for previous national, previous U.S. national teams, and that's you know obviously a more defensive approach, absorb pressure, and then you know hit him on the counter. You know he's moved away from that and wants to build a team that's a little more balanced going forward. But there they just don't have the players. That's what it is. I, Italy won four World Cups. Playing I agree. I agree, hundred percent. Anyway. I see we've reached one of those awkward silences. That's because we're talking about the U.S. national team. <laughs> wake up, wake up, Hoyle there. Stir. No, no, no nothing magic's happening down there. I will touch on a little bit more on the U.S. team since, um, you know, one of the things that he had mentioned about, um, I know that he's betting on, 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 like, saying that it's all about the youth movement and, and bringing in younger players. He is kind of blessed, man. Like with the, with the the first round of qualifiers, that I mean, they arguably got the the easiest group. So yeah, that gives them that 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 bottom um, at least another year. They get. Yeah, they get, I mean, because he's gonna qualify to the hex. No, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think they're true. gonna make a meal of it. I still think they're gonna qualify. Yeah, but understand the hex starts this year. It starts in October. In the fall, yeah. So yeah. if and it's and it's and it's not where there's no more one-offs. So there, it's gonna be two and two. So after four games, if you know reality starts to set for the U.S., if maybe if they drop one at home, I think I think uh, it could be uh, Bruce Serena coaching the U.S. It, the it would it would have to be something ex- very extreme. Like something has to they happen. Never have to have a, a bombero come in. So yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, they, you know, they they respect the the cycles that you know it's the coaches they have and. It would have to be something extremely. I mean, if, if he didn't get fired after losing to Jamaica in the Gold Cup, you know what I mean, and subsequently to Mexico in the Concacaf Cup game, I'm not sure. I mean, like short of failing to qualify. I mean, you know, even if the U.S. doesn't make the Olympics, if they don't, you know, do well at Cup America, I'm not sure that would be enough to get rid of him. I mean, yeah, they would have to bring up an interesting point, and it's something that uh, that I've been thinking about as well. And I swear to God, I just forgot what I was going to say. It happens. It happens. Yeah, what's well, about the U.S. national oh, team? Oh, That's okay. I remember, I remember. Uh, about the U.S. and the international. I mean, this this whole little no. just proves that that this is this country is a long way from becoming the, uh, a, a soccer country. Yes. Yes. Robert makes these comments, and I was on the Twitter last night. I was, you know, seeing who's gonna who's gonna respond, who's gonna react. There were a couple of beat writers that said something, but the national guys stayed away like it mm-hmm. was like it was plutonium. They, they don't want to don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Yeah, it just it's just it's so sad to me. It's like you know you know the, the, this would be on you know if this happened if if this was let's say um, let's say Gallito Bat you know he you know someone who's done some stuff go <coughs> put on the national team and then just all of a sudden you know didn't like like a Torrado let's say this was Torrado. If he had said this when he was, you know, 29, 30, 31, <clears throat> it would have been on, on every page. Every single, yeah. yep. We, we, it would have been, been talked on, about for days, at least. Weeks. Yeah. yeah. This, yeah. this is still a soccer country, though. It's just not geared for the U.S. But, that's, a, that's a problem. But there is, think... there is a lot of soccer 
in the U.S. Like, this is a good place to live. I mean, if, if well, you like the sport, every, every summer you get the best teams coming over. Well, that's the biggest... Let's play soccer here, not football. Well, that's the you biggest draw the, for, for, for players that come to MLS, you know? Like, the lifestyle, the ability to have a life, like a real sort of low-key lifestyle and, 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 you know, and still make a decent amount of money. But I think John, John just says... What he said is very interesting because I've been arguing this point for over 10 years, you know, on the forums, you know, like... There is no, there's, there's no linear progression to this, you know. There, there, there's no, like, you know, you hear a lot of fluff pieces about MLS and how, you know, it, you know, it's growing. Well, relative to what, you know, like, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the best leagues and the best teams are still in Europe, and that's not going to change anytime soon, you know. I don't, you know, I don't know. You, you never know that, man. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. At least not within our lifetime. I, I mean. Not when you got not when not when you got Bale, Benzema, and Cristiano. Yeah, those are the guys. That, well, you know, like if if you can they, bring they, players like that here in their prime, they need, they, you know, that's a they, sport. they need to get BBC players. You know, like you know, Barcelona's got the MSN and Real Madrid's got the BBC. Yeah, you're right. That's what they need is the BBC. You're absolutely right. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I always thought in uh, 1998 when Michael. Darren's comedy. <laughs> You're laughing at your own jokes? <laughs> no, I'm laughing at Dan. <laughs> I'm laughing at Dan. Wow. All right. Let me add that obligatory ha-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> anyway, I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> no, it's just that uh, Christian didn't get it because he's been MIA from the Russell camp. Oh. Oh, uh, the BBC? Yeah. That's kind of, that's... <laughs> oh, he knows what it is. Uh, oh, 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 shit. <laughs> He's like, oh, I know, I'm familiar. I'm somewhat vaguely familiar with the BBC. I watch, I watch, I watch the good games too sometimes. Yeah, I watch it for the news. <laughs> you guys are <laughs> dick and fart jokes, dude. Yeah, we'd, gone, we'd gone almost an hour and like forty minutes before our first dick joke, so I guess that's it. I think that's progress, right? Yeah, <laughs> Well, no, our first dick joke came up, like, about, like, two minutes in. Oh, did we? Talking about the weather, oh, yes. Man. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep, you know, the deadpan, you know. Way to, keep it, way to keep it juvenile, guys. Yeah. I feel young again. Thank you. That's my kind of humor anyway, so let's do it. <laughs> anyway, so I guess we should uh, wrap this up. Uh, just, just one last point on Jurgen. You know, the fact that, I mean, he is, you know, God bless him for for selling the bill of goods that he did because it's uh, I, don't, I don't know how long it's going to take cause I, I think it's like one of those inevitable things but he uh, kind of put the, put the brakes on what was what was happening there and... I just I, I want him know. to be coached during Columbus you know I feel like he is, no I feel like it coincided I think that you know Mexico went through the same thing during the 2010 World Cup qualifiers there was a huge gap between the older players, late 20s, early 30s, and, and the younger players, uh, the Geos and the Bellas and even the Guardados. You know, there was a big gap of those mid-20s guys that weren't there, and it was it was rough, you know. And and it just so happened that by the next cycle, the 2014 cycle, there was there was a lot more players to pick from that were younger and, and a little hungrier, and it made things a little bit easier for Chepo, despite the fact that, you know, the, the ship almost sank anyway during the qualifiers, it sort of overlapped with what was happening with Jurgen, 
And, you know, unfortunately for, for, for U.S. That's, fans... That's, that's a pretty good distinction, though, Christian, though, because the big difference was, like, you know, the same players that are playing well now was, was the same team that Chepo lost. Yeah. Um, so, but I think the big difference with this U.S. team is that the talent it's not is there. lacking. And it's not so there I, right I now. potentially yeah. see even a worse hex than possibly a, a, as complicated or even worse than what Mexico went through this last one. Well, if, he, I really if, he's, think if, he's, if he's smart, he, he's going to realize that, you know, that there, there's a couple players they have in the pipeline that are very interesting, you know, talent-wise, but they're not going to be ready within the next, you know, two years anyway. These are kids that are still, you know, 18, 19. They're going to need, you know, a couple of years to, 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 you know, get confident and, and, and be able to contribute. So if if, if if it comes down to that, if, 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 if everything catches fire, he's going to have to look towards some of these MLS guys that he's already snubbed. And you got to wonder how they're going to they're gonna see that, you know, when, it, when the time comes, when they need to be called in to help put out the fire – you know, some of these guys might not be in the same kind of form. They may not even be as motivated to come in. And I feel like all of this is, is part of his job, to maintain the hope in all these players that are eligible. Even if you're not going to call them in, you don't, gotta, you, don't, you don't need to tell them that. You could just, you know, you know, Mexican coaches are very good at that. Oh, the door's open for everybody and this and that and this and the other. Even if it's coach speak, it at least maintains the illusion that, the coach is doing his job and is going to try to put the best team together. With Klinsman, you don't get that. You you just know that he's got his guys, and and uh, if somebody pops up overseas, you know he'll bring him in. But he has no base. Well, that's the thing. He has his guys, but we don't know who those guys are because he rotates so much. And I mean, and you know what? Klinsman reminds me. Remember that game? It was like pickup sticks, whatever. Where you 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 throw the sticks on, you have to pick them up. Yeah. It seems like that's what Klinsman does. With, no, they're just little pickup sticks. You have to like pick it up with little sticks. Yeah, that's what Jurgen does with a team. It seems like he just you know throws. All right, let, let's pick the best eleven of this thing, and and it just it never. If, uh, if you, you, you know what? If you guys are saying what's what's going to happen, then they're going to have real problems because yeah. they're, now they're expecting you know either these these eight guys or whatever it is that are you know are barely getting playing time in Europe to come in and then go play in Tegucigalpa. But you know what? They could also get lucky. I mean, the U.S., uh, at least emotionally speaking, you know, and this isn't a particular trait to any individual player. This is just the mentality of, of the athletes that, that, are, that are from this country. They, they, all they really need is one or two good results, and they could, they could sort of piggyback on it. That's kind of what they did in 2013, you know. After the friendlies, with, with, they, they beat Germany during a friendly in 2013. That gave them a huge boost of confidence that carried them for pretty much for the remainder of the qualifiers, you know. And, and the thing is they ran out of that, 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 that sort of motivational steam ran out before the World Cup, which is why when they were facing teams that were of an equal or better caliber, they had to resort to, to you know, their instincts, which is, you know, more defensive and, and, and X, Y, Z, whatever. You know, they could, they could the same could happen again. And they, if they get a good result against Costa Rica or, or a Panama, that might just be enough to propel them through the qualifiers, you know, and, and I think maybe that's what Klinsman is hoping for. But, I mean, generally speaking, I mean, uh, you look at the talent base that they have now, and, and their better players are mostly in MLS. Some of them are way past their sell-by date. You know, Clint Dempsey could still be useful, but, I mean, 
is he the guy that's going to be useful three years from now, two years from now? Uh, it's hard to say. Here's my thing with Klinsman, and I think that this is something that we're starting to see, and, and it's not surprising me that it's happening, but it is a little interesting. Okay, he's gone through CONCACAF. Uh, he's done, uh, he did a Gold Cup, and then he did qualifying. It seems to me that he's, in his mind, he's thinking, you know, we got this. So I'm going to schedule all my friendlies in Europe. We're going to play European teams. I'm going to bring my guys. And it's, you know, the, the, you know the, for us, the only one that matters is the World Cup. You know, this, this stuff is cake for us. It seems to me that now that he's going into his second go-round with Golgakaf, that he's severely underestimating the talent level that, that's in this uh, region. A lot like Mexico did up until, mm -hmm. you know, about 10 years ago. I agree with you 100%. I mean, yeah. it's just... Uh, to bite him in the butt. You look at a team like Costa Rica, and Costa Rica has... They also have a nice generation of players in their mid-20s right now. You know, um, they're not going to be an easy team to beat, you know, and, and a, a, guy, a team like Panama is a team that, that is so tough for Mexico, but they, they are not as tough for the U.S., you know, and it's kind of weird... Because they match up very well with the U.S. I mean, phys you know, physically, and you know, at least skill-wise, uh, I don't see why they should they should be inferior to the U.S. But you know, it, it, I think it comes down it'll come down to like if they if they start getting bad results, it could pile up. But all they really need is one result, maybe two results, and that could that could be enough for them. You know, and they're probably going to get it at the cup. They'll probably of course. You know, beat Uruguay or something on some freak goal. And then, and that and that'll be you know and then you're gonna start seeing the fluff right. about you know the resurgence oh, exactly you know and the it's American so I, resurgence yeah and that's why third. exactly that's why and I don't heroically lose in the semifinals that's the thing you know the U S man you know we, I mean uh, being a rival and such a big rival to Mexico I mean it, it's there's a level of gratification when they don't meet their expectations the fans and the team's expectations you know like in a gold cup but if you put that aside, I mean, it, it really is hard to see where the abundance of talent is with this current U.S. team, you know, like without obviously talking about the younger players. Because if we're talking about younger players, there's a couple guys that Mexico has that are also coming up, and there's a couple guys that Panama has, you know, namely, you know, this Diaz kid over at Porto. You know, like, so it's, it's, it's that that's one for the future. We don't really know how those guys are going to pan out. At the moment, I mean, I'm looking at, at the midfield that Mexico has – you know, I'm not really seeing, you know, like uh, the U.S. sort of matching up well with them, you know, on, on a lot of different levels. So, you know, like I think the CONCACAF Cup was a good example of that. You know, the, the team didn't, you know, it was a, it was a tight game and, and this and that. But, but generally speaking, Mexico had it under control for the majority of the game. And that's something that I look forward to because we can build on that. Us Mexicans can build on that. And, and there's a reason for optimism as to how much further this team can grow. I'm not entirely sure the U.S. can say that at the moment. I'm not sure that fans can look at the team and say, you know, there's one player or these two players are going to somehow magically make the entire team that much better because that's not really how it works. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's about it. Professor, without knowing precisely what the danger is, would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Yes, I would get Oh, Ken Brockman. 
my hero. Indeed. Well, on that note, I think that should wrap it up. Is anybody else? Well, quickly before we go, before we wrap it up, um, so the third week of League MX coming. Another more more Copa MX results are rolling in. Ronnie's been keeping us up to date with with another Cruz Azul loss. Did did they lose in the final minute? Uh, yes. So the did they have the lead and then lose it? Because they, they they had the lead and then they lost it. So is, the moral is steer clear from deer. That's right. That is the the classic. When they, when they have the lead and lose it late. Yes, it yes. is. It's the only way. All right. Hey, Le- so, Leon yeah. won too. They beat uh, Necaxa 2 5 0. You must there, you, there you go. Sommelier. It was like, like, like bringing out a fine wine to. <laughs> uh, Christian, Christian's former team? Or is his new team? That is, wow, man. No, I, I'm neutral. I'm, a, I'm the neutral uh, league MX guy. Does anybody have anything to add for, for or anything to watch for coming up? I know that uh, Chivas has a big game against Tigres. Is uh, Meda going to finally get his first win, Joel? Is, is this the game? It looks difficult. He has about a four-match winless streak at home. Hey, why you gotta be so negative, man? He's got a, a two ties streak on really he, difficult matches. He's, he's playing the best team of the league. More importantly, well, does any player stand a chance of getting a surprise uh, paternity suit right before the game? <laughs> that that's probably from either in America or Pachuca. Okay, but not but not Chivas. Oh, great. Nah, we say what happened in America or Pachuca. No, that that happened when La Volpe was. He no, won, they they he used go- it for the players who had the podologa and uh, no, they tried used- to get in on the action. What happened? They used goat condoms over there in Chivas. <laughs> so goats, were, goat skin condoms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> All right, gents. Fair enough. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up. Is it? Did anybody else have any any last uh, any, any last comments? No. Uh, other than other than you know Monterrey and their amazing fans are cheering the team to victory. They're tied for first place, and I thought we should definitely acknowledge the best team right now. They do have the most passionate fans, though. Yes, definitely. Most destructive, that's for sure. Yeah, they'll put out fires. By any means necessary. That's it. I just, I just want to say that I found it extremely distasteful of uh, Alfredo Talavera to reveal that he's already been contacted to be uh, an overage player for the uh, Olympics. Oh, damn, um, that sucks. No, I think it's a great decision. It's just that he wasn't, shouldn't have been revealing it um, because it just, it wasn't necessary. We have three young goalkeepers right now that are actually four young goalkeepers, but three goalkeepers in the Liga MX. Started getting minutes, plus Jesse Gonzalez. It just seemed it just seemed unnecessary, given the fact that there was just a recent under-23 camp just this past week. Um, I found it a little distasteful. I just want to say that. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sucks that they're letting that stuff out that they shouldn't, but oh well. It is good to have you back, man. Oh, it's great to be back. I, uh, obviously, you know, I miss you guys, and uh, we do this every week, so... It's been uh, it's been fun today. Excellent. Well, that, that anybody else have any comments? Fernando, you've mentioned your Monterrey. Dan, 
Any 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 shout outs? Uh, yeah, got? sure. Um, Piojo gets his first loss of the season next uh, this Friday. How about that? Is that against <laughs> Santos? Word. Here's here's my my shocking statement for the night. Uh, Piojo ends 2016 as Mexico's national team coach. Whoa. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That is pretty uh, shocking, but that's only if the cartels take care of Martinoli, though. Wow, you guys didn't know about that's that? like playing T-ball, man. You set yourself up for that one. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hit this stop broadcast yeah. button. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, 